0: your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter number 5, Matthew chapter 5, when you find Matthew 5, you're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're looking at uh, two short, very short parables this morning, and I think you'll find them familiar, but I hope there's a message and some truth here that'll encourage and strengthen you and challenge you. Uh, Today's message is titled this, You Are Salt and Light. You Are Salt and Light. Look with me in God's Word Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look what the Bible says in verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. Then look in verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. The temptation as a preacher is to try to preach and tell folks how to be salt and light. But if you take this passage of Scripture as it's written, that's what we should do. The Bible says uh, affirmatively that you are the salt and you are the light. If you're here today and you know Jesus by faith as your Savior, if you're a Christian, you are salt And you are light. You're not only salt and light, but you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. Now, our world needs salt and light. And the Bible tells us that you and I, Christian people, are salt and light. I'm not going to try to tell you how to be salt or be light. With the Lord's help this morning, I want to challenge you that you are salt, so you need to be salty. And you are light, so you need to be visible. May the Lord help us this morning as we preach His word. You are salt and light. The Bible says in verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. The first thing I want to bring to your attention this morning, two simple points. Number one is, you are salt, be salty. And we'll talk here and start with The salt. The Bible says in verse thirteen, ye are the salt of the earth. You are. It's a fact. You are the salt of the earth. Do you know that we need salt? Salt is of absolute necessity for people to live. I did a little bit of research, very little research, like Googled it. I don't want you to think I'm too smart. But I I Googled uh, salt and survival, and it's kind of interesting. You hear, you read, folks, and the bottom line is the human body cannot survive without salt. You have to have salt. And uh, I don't know the depths of that, but you must have salt. I like to watch uh, this uh, survival series called Alone, and it's kind of fun. They drop them off in the middle of nowhere, and they get to take like 10 items with them. I'm trying to think, what in the world am I going to take with me 10 items? I'm thinking a bucket of chicken, a TV. And, uh, that they're coming up with the right stuff, and they're going to take certain things. And I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, one of the contestants in one of the seasons, he took a big rock of salt. He took a big rock of salt and uh because it was something that he knew that he needed and uh we need salt, you know salt is absolutely necessary, and uh I, I like to think about. Salt, and when you live where we do, you can't help but think about Saltville. How many of you, how many folks we have here from Saltville? Would you raise your hand? How many of you, I see those Saltville hands. Now, look, I hope you guys can take a joke, because if you're from Chillhow, you can't help but do a little bit of Saltville joking. You understand that, but I promise it's just a joke. But uh, Saltville, I've got just a few Saltville jokes. The only good thing ever came in Saltville was 107. Uh, you've heard that one, I know. Uh, I, I'm looking at my Saltville folks. Uh, and at any I'm going to stop the Saltville jokes, <laughs> kind of. Uh, Saltville, you, you know, Saltville, I've got to tell you something about Saltville. Saltville is a lot more famous of a place than Chilhowee is. I know that breaks our heart, but it's a far more uh, famous, I will start to say important, <laughs> far more famous place than Chilhowee is. Because of the salt, and uh, the uh, the salt during the uh, Civil War in Saltville became a very, very valuable commodity. Uh, people had to have salt, and so Saltville became a very... Popular, prominent place and uh, a stronghold for uh, the Civil War. Pretty fascinating history there. You know, folks come from all over the world to visit Saltville because of its historic nature. I've often wondered how many people go to Saltville to visit and they leave disappointed. I've just always wondered that. I'm, okay, I've got to stop this Saltville joke <laughs> stuff. I actually really do like Saltville, but don't tell anybody. Uh, salt, it's necessary. We've got to have salt. And so the the Bible and the Lord Jesus is looking at Christian people. He says, I want you to know something. The influence of you, Christian people, is of absolute necessity. Your Christianity and the influence of your faith in your home and in your community is of absolute necessity. During the pandemic, I I know that churches uh, proved whether they were necessary or not. And I felt so Strongly during all the pandemic That it was absolutely necessary That the Chihuahua Baptist Church Met in as many many Possible ways as we could find And that we continued to work And preach the word and influence lives You see we're necessary Salt is absolutely necessary Salt's necessary Salt is a fascinating thing Salt heals Salt heals Uh, I grew up with a bunch of grandmothers And I'm thankful for that and any time you complained about a sore throat or something, you know what you got? Warm salt water to gargle. Ooh. How many of you have heard my voice this morning already? You think what that boy needs is to gargle some salt water. You, how many of you have already had that thought? I'm sure in the early service I had about three grandmas that raised their hands. They said, uh-huh, that's exactly what I thought. He needs to gargle him some warm salt water. But salt water heals. And salt heals. It's a, it's a healing agent. And I think it's so important that Christian people in churches like ours are doing the work of healing around folks. If we use our salt correctly as the children of God, we can offer a healing help to hurting hearts. It's important that we do. Your salt, be salty. Salt cures, preserves. Salt prevents corruption. I can't help but think of country hand when I think about salt. I try to always include some food in my message. Sometimes more than once. You know, the reason we have country ham is before the days of refrigeration, salt was packed on meat and it preserved it and it would keep it for a long time. And it tastes really good. Salt cures, preserves, prevents corruption. Now, I think it's important that Christian people in churches like ours understand that our saltiness is something that God wants to use to prevent corruption. Look, have you ever noticed that if no one stands up for what's right and good and true, if no one has the courage to be salty in regards to Bible and truth and God's Word, if no one's willing to be salty, you know what happens, don't you, when there's no salt, corruption overtakes with a Christ like spirit we should be salty we should prevent corruption in our local government we should work at preventing corruption in our schools we should work at preventing corruption around us and when we are salty Christians guess what happens the work of the Christian it's salty and salt prevents corruption salt also amplifies good and even sweetens certain situations. How many salt on watermelon people do we have out there in the crowd? Salt on watermelon. I see your hands. And uh, I'm not a salt on watermelon person. And I'm not a salt on cantaloupe version. But I have tried it. And I understand. And I understand what the salt does. It really does bring out a certain flavor. And uh, I'm happy with mine without. But when you add that salt, salt does something. And it, they tell me it just makes it sweeter. And uh, that don't make any sense. But it's a truth. It works. You know that salt applied to the right situation and salt distributed the correct way? Salt is a sweetener. And I know for a fact that Christian people, when they are salty in their faith, when they, they stand up for truth and they are used for the glory of God, we can bring a certain sweetness to situations. And It's needed. Hey, look, you're salt. Be salty. Salt sweetens. Salt amplifies good. How many of you are like me and you like macaroni and cheese? I told you. I missed a couple sermons that I didn't bring any food up in it. So today's the day. How many of you like macaroni and cheese? I've always liked macaroni and cheese. And when I was a little boy, I especially loved macaroni and cheese. And I remember going to Shoney's Buffet and getting me some macaroni and cheese. And I was excited. I got me some macaroni and cheese off the Shoney's buffet. They had those little steak nuggets. I loved them things. And they had macaroni and cheese. And I remember getting me a bunch of macaroni and cheese on my plate. I sat down excited to eat my macaroni and cheese. And I got me a spoonful of Shoney's macaroni and cheese off the buffet, put it in my mouth. And I just want you to know something. That stuff is gross. It was awful. How many of you remember what I'm talking about? That stuff's awful. And I was so disappointed. I remember trying macaroni and cheese at Ryan's one time. I think Ryan's is a really classy place, you know. And their macaroni and cheese was terrible, too. And uh, I remember having some macaroni and cheese, trying it one time again. And uh, I said, Boy, this is awful. And whoever I was with, they said, Put some salt on. I was just little, I didn't think about putting salt on nothing. They said, Put some salt on. I remember I salted that macaroni and cheese down. And I'll just tell you, it made a big difference. It was still terrible, but it wasn't near as terrible as it was before. <laughs> Salt brings out the goodness, amplifies the good. Salt has a purpose. And God says, You're salt. Now, we're not talking just about eating, we're talking about influencing people for the glory of God. We're talking about making a difference in our community. We're talking about raising our children. We're talking about having a family. We're talking about our homes. And God calls us to be salty. You're salt. Be salty. Salt also makes people thirsty. Salt makes people thirsty. You eat a lot of country ham for breakfast. Next thing you know, you're drinking water all day. Salt makes you thirsty. But you know something about a salty Christian? Have you ever been around somebody and they were salty enough that when you're around them, you wanted more of what they had? When you're around them, you yearn to know more about the water of life, which is Jesus. Now, God's people are supposed to be salty. The Bible says in verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. You are. If the earth is going to get its salt, it's going to have to come from you. You are the salt of the earth. But, look at the next phrase. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it, the earth, be salted? You look at that phrase right there. But if the salt have lost his savor. You see, the Bible says you are the salt, and you should be salty. But the Bible gives us warning that there's the possibility that your salt has lost its potency. How does salt lose its savor? One of two ways. Either salt loses its savor because it's diluted. Or salt loses its savor because it's corrupted. And both ways cause God's people to become less effective and do the work that is necessary through the lives of His people. God needs moms to be salty in their homes. And used for the glory of God. God needs dads to be salty in their homes and used for the glory of God. God needs grandfathers and grandmothers to be salty and used for the glory of God. God needs teens and children. All of us that are saved by faith in Christ Jesus, God calls us to be salty. We're to get to the place where our, our faith in Christ, it has some substance to it. And it helps other people. If you think somehow faith in Christ is just so you can have everything you want, you got the wrong Jesus. You didn't get the one the Bible talks about. See, when we put our trust in Christ as by faith as our Savior, He makes us the salt of the earth and we are to be salting other folks. But if your salt sauce is Savior, it's because it's been diluted. How do you dilute salt? You put water on it. There are a lot of diluted Christians out there. They've let so much other things come into their hearts and lives. They've put Jesus so far away and they don't put Him first in their lives anymore that the saltiness of their Christian faith has been diluted down to a place where they just don't have the effectiveness that they once did and that they need to have. Diluted. Sometimes our salt so diluted by the philosophies of the world, and we, we've departed from the truth of God's word. Our philosophy—if we leave God's word and we start to believe other things, and believe that society is more correct than God and God's word—then we begin to dilute our salt. You may still be saved; you may be a, a Christian, but you've diluted your effectiveness so much that you can't salt any situation. And we need salty Christians. Salt loses its savior when it's diluted. Salt loses its savor when it's corrupted. You know what corrupts a Christian is sin. And you've let sin become so prominent and prevalent in your life that you've lost your ability to salt a situation. And it's a sad thing to see when a Christian loses its salt because the Bible says you are the salt. You're the salt that's needed in your situation. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 13, look at it. But if the salt have lost its savor, look at the next phrase, wherewith... Shall it the earth be salted? Wherewith shall it be salted? How is the earth going to be salted? I'll tell you how the earth is going to be salted when Christian people salt the spot that God's given them. Now I don't want you to think and get too concerned about the world, the earth, until you've considered your own spot. You see. Salting is something that is a joint effort of God's people. But the way we salt the masses and the earth is by being faithful to salt the spot where we are. What about your spot? Are you salting your spot? Are you a father that is leading his family to the Lord, to God's word, to righteousness and holiness? That's salt. Are you a mother that's doing the same? Are you a grandmother, grandfather that's doing the same? Are you a Christian young person that's standing up for Jesus in their school, in their dorm? Are you a saved person that's living for Jesus before their peers at work? You see, you've got a spot. You better salt it. God's called me to salt the home that I have. Be salt to my wife and my kids and a spot that God's not called you to salt, but there's a spot, it's your world that God hasn't called me to salt. and we need to be salty. You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt in your spot. If your children are going to know Christ by faith as Savior, you better determine with God's help to be that salt. You're the salt. You're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its savior, if you are diluted or corrupted as a child of God, wherewith shall it be salted? I want to ask you a very important question. If the eternal destiny of your family is determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ and your saltiness, what is the outcome? God's given you a spot to salt. And we should take very seriously the fact that God has called us to salt and be the salt. You are the salt. Be salt. Look at the, the Bible continues. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. The Bible says a Christian that has diluted, corrupted salt, that salt is ineffective. It's good for nothing. I heard this. I think it's kind of funny. A little boy looked at his mommy one day and said, Mom, if you'll give me a dollar, I'll be good. The mom looked back at her son and said, Son, why don't you just do like your dad and be good for nothing? (laughs) The Bible says... But if you've let your salt become diluted or corrupted, the Bible says it's good for nothing. It breaks my heart to think about missing the opportunity that God has given me to influence the people around me. God's not giving me a great big spot to salt, but with the Lord's help, I want to be salty in that spot. I want to set an example for the children that look up to me. I want to set an example for the people who depend on me. I want to set a Christ-like Example and lead in a Christ-like way before the folks that need me to be their salt. And I'm not alone. God's called all of you, if you're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be salt. And if corruption has creeped in and your sin is causing you to have No effect or be good for nothing in the lives of the people around you. I pray that God will smite your spirit and convict you of your sin and remind you again of how important your influence is in the lives of the people around you. You are salt. You are salt. Be salty. Number two, you are light. Be visible. The Bible says, one, you're salt. And we understand salt now, I think, a little bit better than maybe we did before. You are salt, but the next thing the Bible says is you are light. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. Now, look, if the world is going to have the light that it needs, God tells us something. He says if the world's going to have the light that it needs, it's going to come from you because you are the light. You're the light. Have you ever been around somebody that was really, really good at calling out all the problems and really, really bad at coming up with any solutions? The Bible says that you are the light of the world. Now, you can't be the kind of Christian that says, I'm telling you one thing, somebody's going to do something. That is the most useless statement that anyone has ever spoken in their life, just about. Somebody's going to do something. You know where doing something begins? Doing something begins when individual people like you and I decide, you know what? I am salt. I don't have a lot of area to salt, but I'm going to salt the area that God's given me to salt. And I am light, and I'm gonna, I do not can't do a lot, but I'm going to lighten the area that God's called me to light. So the Bible gives us this picture. The reason that salt isn't effective is because it becomes, it loses its savor. The reason light, your light isn't effective is because you hide it. The Bible says here in verse 13, sorry 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? If you have a big city on top of a hill, it's hard to miss it. The other night, late, I drove through Chattanooga, and uh, one thing about Chattanooga, as you drive through Chattanooga on Interstate 75, it is well lit, and you can see lights everywhere, but I'm, I'm thinking about the mountainside. It's actually on your right as you come back up 75. I think about that mountainside at, in north of Chattanooga, and there's houses up on the very tip top of that mountain maybe it's called lookout mountain i can't remember for sure but that mountain and one thing that's really neat about that in, in the dark is during the daylight you can't see all the places are there but when you come through there at night you can see the lights everywhere and you can't hide the fact that there's a lot of places and there's a lot of homes there's a lot of, of, uh, of lights on that mountain the bible just says look a city on a hill can't be hid." And the the application for you and I is we are the light of the world. And if your light is up in a place where folks can see it, if your light is prominent, it's important that it stays there. You can't hide it. Now, I'm not talking about being some religious freak that puts on some kind of show. But I am talking about people who are willing to let their light shine before men. You may be in a work situation where if the people that you work with found out that you were a Christian, their minds would be blown. Guess what? You don't have your light on on a hill. Then the scripture gives us some more details. Look what the Bible says. Verse number 15. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. How many of you remember the old song? I hope you had the privilege of learning in Sunday school. You're ready to get your light out. Let's do it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. The next verses won't let Satan blow it out. We'll stop there. The kids' songs are so appropriate. Now, let's take a poll. How many of you as a child, you sang that song, hide it under a bushel? No. You thought it was a bush. There was some bush that you're trying to hide a candlelight. If you're like me, you thought when you sang that song, Hide Under a Bushel, it was a bush. How many of you are like me and you thought it was a bush when you are singing that song, Me Too? Those Sunday school teachers are probably going to have to clarify that because I've been wrong about it for a long time. Hide Under a Bushel is probably not a bush, but it's probably a basket. Like a bushel basket. And so we don't hide it either way. How many of you believed it was a basket when you were singing that song? You thought it was a basket. You guys must have had better Sunday school teachers than I did. Uh, But uh, I'm just messing. Uh, But the bottom line is, the Bible says, it doesn't make sense to light a candle. It doesn't make sense to light a candle and then hide its light. It doesn't make sense to... Light a candle and hide. it's light. We're not to hide the light of the Lord Jesus in our lives. Through the years I've met so many people, and they've been dear friends to me. Most of the time it's a man. There's been a time in his life where he come to brokenness, a certain brokenness and got the help he needed. He asked Jesus to forgive him and be a savior, got saved. But never would tell anybody. Never would admit his need of a Savior. Admit to his family that he had been saved or whichever it was. I've written in my notes something. Private faith. There's a lot of people you talk to them about their faith in Jesus. Please don't be offended by what I have to say. Hear me out. They say something like this. Well, my faith is very private to me. My faith is very Private, it's something I don't like to talk about. Let me tell you something. I put in my notes, maybe it's a little bit too much, but I put in my notes private faith, and right beside that I put a very theological word, private faith, and right beside of it it says baloney. <laughs> Hear me out. The Bible says the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. The Bible says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. There's the power of God and salvation. The Bible says when you get saved by grace through faith, you'll have a yearning in your heart to tell other people about it. And you may have been deceived into believing that it's some type of manly, macho thing to hide your faith. But let me tell you something. There are children and people around you that need your light to shine. You may be the only light they have, and you need to let your light shine where God's put you. It's a tragic thing. Deal with families who don't know that their loved ones saved or not because they've never had the courage to speak up and let their light shine. Look at the scripture says. Verse number 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a candle, a bushel. But on a candlestick, what do you do with the light? But on a candlestick, and the Bible says this, verse 15, look at it. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. What does God say about your light? You don't take your light and hide it. You don't hide the fact that you're you're trusting in the Lord. You don't hide the fact that you've come to a place where you realize you need the Lord. You don't hide in shame that you're a believer, a Christian. No, if you've got light and you are the light, you're the only light that some people have. If you are the light, you take your light, you put it on a candlestick and you put it on a candlestick. Why? So that every person in the house can see the light. Let me tell you something I see. I see a candlestick in a home and the light shining and I look around the room, around the candlestick, the shining light, I see light that's shining on the faces of children and grandchildren And adults and the people in the house, I see the light shining on their face. And I'm thanking God that there are folks who say, you know what? It may be a little awkward for me to talk about my faith. But I'm going to let my light shine because the people in my house need the light that God's given me. I see the light shining throughout the house. And I'm thankful for people who say it may be a little difficult and awkward But I'm going to let my light shine at work because there's people around me that need the light that God has put in my heart. And I'm reminded that we need to let our light shine. You know, some folks are scared to let their light shine. They're saved. They know the Lord. They're scared to let their light shine because they've lived like devils in front of their children. Let me challenge you to do something. If you've lived like a devil in front of your children and wife or husband or grandkids, whatever it may be, let me challenge you to do something. You start letting your light shine. You pull them aside and you tell them, you listen. You you, you tell them, hey, look, I've not done right. But I'm a Christian. Jesus has saved me. I'm depending on him. I love him. Will you please forgive me? With God's help, I'm going to let my light shine in front of you. You know what's going to happen? They're not going to to label you some religious freak. They're going to praise God that somebody in their life had enough courage to boldly stand up for Jesus who can give them everlasting life. You know why you won't let your light shine at work? Because you know that the first time you talk about being a Christian in front of the people you've been working with, they're going to have a stroke. I challenge you. Those people need light. And God, if you're his child, has set you up to be that light. You are the light. I beg of you, while you have a chance, let your light shine before those men, those women. And you may have to look at them and say, look, I'm really sorry for acting the way I have. I know I've not represented Jesus well, but I want you to know that I'm a Christian. Will you please forgive me? And with God's help, I want to shine a light for Jesus. I want to be a blessing to people. You know what's going to happen? I know that when Christian people get to a place where they will have that kind of honest dialogue with people around them that are lost one there's going to be other saved people around you that don't have the courage to let their light shine and the next thing you know they're going to be like you know if he's going to let his light shine i'll let my light shine too and then there's going to be other folks that have no light they've never been saved and they're going to say you know what i want what he wants because that light shines bright and that light shines warm that light shines revealing and shows me i'm a sinner your light shining is going to change other people's lives And I want you to remember something. I can't be that light. But you can. Your Sunday school teacher can't be that light. The deacon can't be that light. But you can. And God has called you. You know what he said? You are salt and light. Scripture says it like this. Neither do men, verse 15, light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, listen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you're a Christian today, And the people that are nearest to you don't know for sure that you're saved. I want to challenge you. You need to tell your children that you are saved and how you got saved. You need to tell your grandkids that you are saved and how you got saved. You need to speak to your spouse and let her know, let him know, look, I'm saved, here's how I got saved. And you need to start letting your light shine. Because I'm going to tell you something, this world needs salt. Salt. And this world needs light. And there's only one place to get it. It's from Christian people. May God help us to salt and light everywhere we go. Because we're it. This is our chance, our opportunity. May God help us. Let's pray.